Welcome to the Founders and Creators podcast, a series of interviews and discussions with founders, creators, and leaders from the tech industry in Milton Keynes and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by Protospace, an initiative to support, connect, and grow the tech community in Milton Keynes. Today we're speaking with Chris Kirby, co-founder and CEO of Tomorrow's Journey. Chris spent 15 years working for some of the top automotive brands across the fleet, retail, finance and rental markets. In this episode, we explore Tomorrow's Journey, Chris's exciting startup who use their software platform to help automotive businesses make renewable mobility models that work. Hi, Chris. Hi, Richard. How's it going? I'll jump right in and um, if you could just give us some background on what Tomorrow's Journey is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Tomorrow's Journey, we're a, a software business in the uh, automotive and mobility sector. Um, our, our focus is about helping businesses to create new uh, ways of accessing vehicles. Uh, so that's anything from kind of car sharing all the way through to uh, kind of subscription and, and flexible uh, access models. And primarily the work that we're doing uh, is around electric vehicles. So almost all of the projects that we're working on uh, have in some way, shape or form, a, a connection to uh, electric vehicles and promoting electric vehicles, uh, working with a couple of car manufacturers to help them to uh, provide uh, digital test drive programs for uh, launches of electric vehicles that are coming this year. Uh, but we're also helping um, a large energy company to launch a bundled package offer for Uber drivers in London to be able to affordably access a fully electric vehicle. Um, so uh, yeah, kind of really, really focused on um, trying to promote uh, the use of EVs and more efficient vehicles, uh, but also actually our business was kind of formed off the basis of trying to improve uh, asset utility. So trying to make uh, vehicle assets used more and better. Uh, favorite stat, and I hear at every conference about, you know, cars are parked 95% of the time. Uh, and, you know, broadly our business's mission is trying to uh, get vehicles used better. Uh, it helps to reduce cost. Uh, it's, that's going to become more of a challenge when cars are electric, they're more expensive to produce and, and all of these good things. So we want to cut waste out of the use of assets and we want to promote the, the use of electric vehicles as well. So to backtrack a little bit, if you'd be good to find out about, about your background and career and actually your connection to, to Milton Keynes, because you're from MK or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've kind of grown up here, I think um, similar to, to Nikki, actually, which I, I didn't realise until till she said. So I, I was born and bred in Milton Keynes. I actually was born in Northampton Hospital, because I think Milton Keynes Hospital was here, but maybe... Um, yeah, wasn't wasn't quite ready at that yeah, point. Um, same here, actually. Yeah, yeah, so kind of just in in that in that era. Um, but interestingly, I, I'm kind of second generation uh, Milton Keynes. Really, my uh, my grandmother moved out of London in 1950 um, and bought a house in Loughton, which was just a village in the countryside at the time. Uh, she still lives in that house, small three bedroom house on a massive piece of land, pretty much in the middle of Milton Keynes. Um, and uh, yeah, I've pretty much been here uh, for my whole life, really. Lived in Buckingham for a while and toasted, but I've pretty much been been around. Um, in terms of my professional career, I've uh, worked almost solely in the automotive sector. So I worked for a lot of the car manufacturers, uh, doing different things roughly for about 15 years uh, before uh, doing some kind of consultancy and marketing work, which got us into the area of uh, the mobility sector. Uh, and probably about four years ago, we recognised that it was definitely an industry that was changing um, the automotive and transport markets that we had kind of come from as a team. Um, but we realized that everyone was kind of doing a bit of a rubbish job as they do when there's kind of uh, disruption in, in sectors. Everyone was kind of having a go at some things and nothing was really working, but everyone was kind of believing it was the right thing to do. 
uh, and, and our area that we saw that we could really help with was about this kind of asset utilization piece, which uh, is where really where we've grown the business from. So it'd be good to find out, was it some spark or conversation that sort of led you on to, to, to create this? Or to start yeah, it was an interesting one, really. I think we, um, we were doing a lot of work for some kind of large corporates in the auto sector around this kind of mobility area. Um, and they were just asking relatively general questions like, what is it? How's it going to affect our business? Uh, what, what's all of these things? And I think the more and more we got into that, the more and more we felt it was a part of the sector that we wanted to be in. Uh, and actually myself and one of the co-founders of Tomorrow's Journey, we kind of didn't really have the answer at that point, but we said, look, there's got to be something here. Let's just uh, kind of brainstorm some things out. And actually in this room, in my living room that I'm sitting here, we we stole a flip chart from the office and I fashioned a thing to hang it on the back of the door with some uh, coat hangers, which I only took down about three weeks ago. I was sitting on the back of my living room door. And we just kind of kicked some things around and we kind of knew broadly the area that we, that we were in. And uh, we ended up kind of looking at this asset utility thing, but more around autonomous vehicles. And we said, look, when vehicles are all autonomous, uh, actually the fleet itself has to be, the fleet of vehicles can't just be owned by the company that operates them because you'll have all these empty autonomous vehicles driving around uh, all of the time. Um, and that was kind of where we started. And then we went, well, hang on a minute, that's 15 years down the road. How do we bring it back to today? Well, actually it's also a today problem. And that's kind of where where the process really started, to be honest. And uh, yeah, after a few more late night sessions in this living room with lots of coffee, um, we kind of came up with the original idea. So how did you actually get that into reality and, and kind of start the business? And, and you know, did you did you look for funding straight away or did you start to did you go a different route? Yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting experience, really, particularly around the fundraising. And it's been interesting listening to uh, the other speakers today and their kind of experiences and, and different different places with it, really. Um, I think it was always our intention to, to raise money, and we did early on. So we kind of created the business concept, ran it past a few people, uh, kind of as you do, and helped to try and refine it. Uh, we had a bit of a tipping point, which was the point I was going to quit my job and, and give, give this a go. Um, we had a few little criteria to meet, one of which was bringing in a CTO, uh, so one of the other co-founders, a great friend of mine, uh, Matt Potts, um, part of the deal we made with ourselves is we won't do it without Matt on board because he's, you know, t- from a tech point of view, is, uh, is absolutely fantastic. And, and then we decided that we would give it a go. I had enough money in the bank for four or five months and I went, right, we need to raise some money at the end of that period to, to be able to do it. And um, we were fortunate enough to raise money mostly from angel investors, private investors. Um, and we've done that kind of a couple of times in our journey. Um, which has kind of kept us going to this point until we were able to commercialize the product and start generating revenue. Um, we had some interesting experiences trying to raise VC money. Um, that was a lot more difficult than we expected. Uh, and again, I think uh, we have talked about that a bit um, this evening as well. It definitely is the hardest part of the, uh, the journey for sure. Um, and it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And actually probably we wasted a bit more time than we should have done on that uh, particular area. Uh, and actually focusing on growing the business and uh, generating revenue was far better use of our time, unsurprisingly. But you get sucked into this startup idea of build an idea, raise some money, do some more stuff, rebrand, raise some more money. Uh, and actually you realize that's not a very good way to grow a business. And uh, maybe you should try and get some customers and sell some of your product, which uh, has worked much better for us as a strategy, unsurprisingly. So <clears throat> how many rounds have you gone through so far? Uh, so really only two rounds. Um, we had uh, kind of our initial seed round, which was mostly people we knew, uh, friends, family, and a couple of industry people. Um, our, our chairman, who was a kind of industry friend of ours, uh, who's been invaluable actually through uh, through our experience so far and still is to, to this day. Um, the guy that literally knows everybody in the industry. I, I last, 
last week I said, oh, I think there's an opportunity within a dealer group because they're starting to look at new business models. Do you know anyone there? And he went, oh yeah, I know the guy that founded it. Give me five minutes. And an hour later, the guy who I wanted a meeting with emailed me and said, when are you free next week? Um, so he's been a bit invaluable uh, from that sense, but he, he put some money in early doors. Uh, and then we were able to secure a couple of other sort of uh, wealthier angel investors. Uh, and I say wealthy, you know, putting you know, 50K, 100K in to kind of keep us moving through our second year. Um, so really, it was only kind of two stages of, of investment, really. And uh, yeah, and then kind of moving into the commercial part. Are you going for more funding? Um, TBC. Um, and I guess, yeah, there's a, a couple of um, interesting areas. I, I think we have realized, and this isn't, um, so you said about, I think when we were talking earlier about, you know, what any epiphanies, any kind of big, big news. I mean, this isn't big news. This is things that everyone told me at the start, but I just didn't listen to them. But, you know, the idea of building a business that can support itself and then looking for funding to help you grow or help you take advantage of certain opportunities uh, is definitely where we're focused as a business now. So uh, we don't actually need any more funding. Uh, I'm pretty confident that we can, um, with our recurring revenue, with customers that we've got on board, um, we can self-fund from this point. However, uh, the market's at an inflection point, and I think we're excited about the opportunity that having a, a bigger team and some more resources would uh, would give us. Um, that being said, the idea of kind of running around venture capital firms again uh, is kind of thing that makes me not want to come to work. So, uh, so yeah, we, we may do something somewhere in between. We've got a couple of really good uh, customers, actually, who have venture arms who have expressed interest in investing in us, who have been pleased with the work that we've done. And um, so that might be an area that we explore. Uh, otherwise, we'll, we'll do it ourselves. It's the, the best way I think we've found. That's, it's good. It's a nice position. You've got yourself to be it there now, but you can potentially don't have to rely on that going forward so yeah um wonder what the futures are for you know what's the what's the vision where, you, where you're going with tomorrow's journey yeah i think for, for us we, we were always focused on this uh, asset utility part and we've had to develop our our products around that to kind of really force the, the market fit uh, i think it were mentioned earlier about the autonomous vehicles this idea of kind of a, a neutral fleet of vehicles that could be used by lots of different parties is a fantastic concept but doesn't really work practically today because that's not how fleets are, are operating but um, definitely we see uh, in the future our, our vision is that um, uh, almost you, you separate the people who own the vehicles to the people who are providing the service uh, and that's going to create a lot more opportunity for people to create uh, specific products and services to different uh, types of user groups um, because you know a lot of car sharing stuff is aimed it's it's brand new electric golfs aimed at you know wealthy people in London um, actually being able to take a car by the hour is something that would really benefit low-income families but the, the model's not set up for that so um, yeah our, our idea is to try and really promote uh, electric vehicles and then kind of move into being able to give better accessibility to mobility to more people. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. Yeah, because no, that's a big challenge. Obviously, the cost of barrier to entry to electric vehicles, obviously, so is still very high, isn't it? So, yeah, Absolutely. And I think one of the challenges that we're going to have as an industry over the next few years is going to be supply of electric vehicles. I think there's a real tipping point. Um, I said on a podcast that I do back at the end of uh, 2019 that I thought 2020 would be the year of the electric vehicle. Um, I didn't foresee the coronavirus pandemic, so I think that's probably trumped it slightly. But um, yeah, definitely electric vehicles have, I think, had a mind shift with people now. I think it's often a, not a question of you know, complaints about range, complaints about 
I don't like a Nissan Leaf. You know, there's a good selection of vehicles available and it's really just a question of when for people, not if. Um, so I think we could have issues around supply. And I've always said that um, if you have uh, an expensive Audi and it's parked up by you know, Colleen Rooney, I always blame Colleen, I don't know what she's done, but if she parks it and does 3,000 3, miles a year with her 70,000 pound electric vehicle and no one else uses it, that's a waste of this electric vehicle, it's a waste of this asset um, and the asset should be more shared. Um, I got to meet the transport minister at a startup event a few years ago um, or a year or so ago and I said that they should, the government should mandate that 50% of electric vehicles that are sold should be shared because to, you know, to share access to them. Um, and then next week they announced they're making number plates green for electric cars, which seems uh, almost does the same thing or not really coloring in the end of a number plate. Um, but yeah, so I think that there's stuff like that. I think that we can do much better. I think electric vehicles for a bit are actually gonna become um, a commodity in demand and uh, get, getting more people access to them is gonna be a good way of trying to reduce that carbon footprint. So, how many people in your team now? Uh, so we're a team of six um, at the moment. Uh, we have a new guy starting in a couple of weeks uh, in our development team. Um, and we've kind of just grown that organically, mostly last year. Uh, this time last year, there was only three of us. Um, so we've kind of doubled in the last uh, 12 months, despite the, the challenges, which has been great. Uh, and I think we'd probably want to double again by the end of next year. Um, investment stuff might change that, but you know, but just organically look to, to grow the team. Um, it's been interesting. Our, our head office is here in... In Milton Keynes or at the Barclays Eagle Lab at, at Cranfield um, but actually because we've recruited during 2020 our team is spread across the country um, you know that idea of a remote workforce and getting access to uh, to a really good talent pool um, by being able to access remote workers has, has been really beneficial for us so uh, whilst I think our home will always remain here I don't see us having a huge tower block in the center of town you know tomorrow's journey towers um, it would, would be nice but I don't, I don't think it's going to be a thing you think you're going to expand the team coming up? Yeah, I think so. So definitely think this year we'd look to double the team again if, if we grow organically. I think with the projections that, that we've got and the type of projects that we're, uh, we're looking to add to the current ones that, that we're doing, I think we're, we're hoping um, that we can double the size of the team. I say if we decide to take some investment, if there's some strategic opportunities for us, we may uh, grow the team further. Um, we're also doing some stuff overseas. We have a project in Singapore. Uh, and we're talking to a company in Dubai uh, currently about a project as well. So some opportunity to do some stuff um, abroad as well, which um, which is interesting. But again, you can do most of that remotely as we're finding out. <laughs> no, no need to jump on a flight and fly to Singapore. We've done the whole deal and pretty much launched the product without uh, setting foot in the country. So uh, yeah, can, can work pretty well remotely, I think. Yeah. And I guess it's obviously, you know, as we know, good for the environment in the current circumstances anyway, Absolutely. you know, with, with uh, obviously... Air travel being probably the worst offender, I guess. <laughs> so from that, that point of view, it's positive. Um, so coming back, I know you sort of you did touch on epiphanies, but have you got any more tips or or any any lessons learned through through from for yourself or where you've come through the industry? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a few things really. I mean, I've touched on the EV thing. I think electric vehicles are going to be a big thing. I think that's kind of stating the obvious now, but maybe a year ago wasn't. But I do think that's a, a space to, to really watch. Um, I think there'll be some key battlegrounds there. Uh, there are some questions still about infrastructure, uh, not the the old school kind of, uh, oh, well, if everyone wants to charge their cars overnight, the grid's going to fall over because that's actually not a problem. Um, but things about getting charges in the right place. Um, I think I read a stat that Milton Keynes has more electric charge points than the whole of Wales. Um, the problem is they're all in the centre of Milton Keynes and the nearest one to me in Oak Grove is about 
15 minute walk away so living in an apartment it's not easy for me to get an ev so we're going to have some some battlegrounds i think in that that type of area um i think in terms of um things i've learned actually through the the startup experience i think it's been really a question about um uh, resilience um and which i know everyone's been uh, been challenged with i think in the last 12 months but um it's certainly i always thought i was relatively resilient and and kind of could move uh move around obstacles with my corporate life but i think coming into the startup world you get some challenges that <laughs> and you get put in some pretty difficult and dark places that you maybe didn't think you would uh you would be um but actually i think it really teaches you that you can come through those and to be a lot more relaxed about difficult things um i think i was actually talking about it today i get a lot less excited when big things come up um and i get a lot less down when things go bad uh, <laughs> so i think that's definitely a, a benefit of working in the the startup space for sure um uh, i had a call from a car manufacturer today saying that they want us to um do the ev test drive program globally for one of their cars um, which is great i'll believe it when i see it and there's no no champagne on ice tonight you know that's a <laughs> that's a nice thing that they've said that they want to take a small pilot that we've done in london and roll it out globally um, but we'll see so that's a kind of an example of where uh, if you don't get too excited about it until it happens you're not too disappointed if it doesn't so um kind of keep moving through so i think there's a kind of few things around that that, that are good uh, particularly for people thinking about coming into you know doing their own startup you know it's really really difficult uh, it's very rewarding and you do learn quite a lot about yourself um, and your capabilities when you uh, when you're doing it for sure i mean i think that, that last one's actually a good point because i think you know it's not about not being positive or, or being happy you've got that lead but probably not pinning too much on it until it's really really concrete i think yeah because it's really easy to focus on that then or, or put all we know and, and distract you from other things and it may not work out for many a million different reasons um as yeah. we know especially knowing the last you know year or so i was thinking about what my reason could be to plant some trees so i've got some i've got some trees in my more trees account and i think every time i get told about a good deal that doesn't happen i might plant a tree and I, <laughs> i'll uh, i'll rattle through a few trees quickly <laughs> good plug there <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to wrap up with one one last question, actually. And so, just as you are as you are home homegrown local, what what what's, what do you love about most about Milton Keynes? Uh, I think also uh, kind of following on from um, from what Nikki said, I'm a huge advocate, unofficial member of the Milton Keynes Chorus Board. Self created, I don't know if that exists. Uh, <laughs> I think just the, the fact that it's a it's an open space. Um, I know we were chatting before we started the event about kind of how we've been coping through lockdown and stuff, and I think that. Um, yeah, living in Milton Keynes through lockdown, particularly living in an apartment as I do, um, it's a nice place to be. Um, I have a nice view out of my window, but also I can, you know, be walking down by the river um, every morning after I get my Costa coffee, and it's uh, it's a good place to be. So I just think the outdoor space, I think, is is great. Uh, we were chatting last week, which I think, you know, what what you guys are doing and and kind of really promoting uh, tech and, and culture within the, the city is a, a great thing as well. Something that we we could do with more of. Um, but yeah, definitely love, love the outdoor spaces. Um, being a converted rugby player to a cyclist, a less good cyclist than you, uh, Rich, but a cyclist nonetheless. I um, yeah, it's nice to be able to get outdoors. Yeah, no, echo that for sure. Yeah, city of trees. <laughs> trees, definitely. Thanks for listening to this episode of Founders and Creators, brought to you by Protospace. To find out more about this podcast and our initiative, visit 
protospace.uk.